Moments away from uh, threading in Dr. Bandy, actually, the author of New York Times' best-selling book, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump. She'll be rejoining Discussions of Truth. Grateful to have her back to the program. Uh, look, we just we just ended with J.P. Lindstrom, uh, uh, the head of the African-American Studies for the uh, uh, West Palm Beach uh, uh, School District, uh, Brian Knowles who, of course, represents the African-American community, and J.P., uh, a concerned uh, uh, academic and author uh, and also uh, professor, um, and me. We, we've got issues that need addressing in, in this country. It's, it's unfortunately despicable, really, that, uh, that uh, we have allowed this to continue to happen, whether, it's, uh, whether it is uh, uh, Rosa Parks, uh, uh, whether it's Rodney King, Martin Luther King, uh, whatever it may be, uh, the what appears to be deliberate attack on the African American community uh, continues to be a, an issue in this country, um, and uh, and 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 myself. Uh, 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 having been born in the 70s and uh, growing up with uh, uh, one of my best friends, actually, early, early, very early in life, uh, being African-American and, in fact, uh, being born and given an African name, uh, we still remain in contact to see this type of thing continuing to happen, especially after a presidency of Barack Obama, who may not identify with the African-American community, but certainly with African community and, and, and his mother being white, father being black. Um, he may not identify with uh, some of those struggles uh, generationally, generationally from slave days in this country, um, but he does identify with uh, a, a skin color that is not what any of his predecessors identified with. Uh, which were what makes his achievement remarkable, um, that he not only identifies with those of lower socioeconomic level, uh, he was not born into a wealthy family, um, uh, but he also identifies, of course, with overcoming some of those uh, skin prejudices uh, that, uh, that, that we're seeing prevail. Um, so is this, a, is this a social or is this, is this a, systematic, a systematic issue within police departments? Um, the question, of course, is then, is it blown out of proportion by media? And then, as a result, the police departments become more militarized. We're going to now thread in Dr. Bandy Lee. Uh, she is the leading violence expert and forensic psychiatrist and president of the World Mental Health Coalition Business Insider. Is quoted as saying, we are speaking out at this time. This is her speaking because we are convinced that as the time of possible impeachment approaches, Donald Trump has the real potential to become even more dangerous as a threat to the safety of our nation. We know that Donald was not impeached, uh, but, um, but his elements of his character remain in question. You can follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter, uh, and patron my website, iantrottier.com, I-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-R, Dr. Bandy Lee. Hello? Dr. Lee, welcome back to Discussions of Truth. Ian Trottier here. Hi. Good to be back. Well, thank you very much for taking your time again. Things have changed quite a bit since uh, the last time you had joined the program. I think impeachment was uh, a concerning element of uh, uh, daily life in, in this country. And since we have last spoke, we have now... Uh, Received and are currently going through a, a international health crisis, a, a pandemic, um, and now uh, recently, as of the past uh, eight days, now 
um, national protests um, uh, in regard to racism in this country uh, uh, toward the African-American community. Um, and so, of course, being the author of The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, uh, Dr. Lee brings to program a, uh, an expertise of the mental uh, stability or the mental capacity that our current uh, commander-in-chief may have. Dr. Lee, again, thank you for joining the program. Uh, how are you faring through um, uh, spring of 2020, shall I say? Uh, well, uh, I myself can't really complain. I'm among the more privileged who are protected. In fact, it's uh, interesting to me that in prison work, that it's the psychiatrists who are the primary ones who are protected into uh, doing telemedicine, uh, whereas those who are on site are uh, needing to be more further exposed uh, to to clients, to prisoners, to um, other people, because they also have to do my own legwork. And so, so I, I sense the disparity there. And uh, while I myself am doing all right, I worry about the workers, of course. Yes, of course. Prisoners. Right. And, and, and you took the time out of your career to help uh, at least somewhat educate um, the American uh, people about your uh, concerns uh, regarding the current commander in chief, and we can kind of get into that and what uh, what what caused you to take your time out to uh, dedicate in, in, towards writing writing that book. Um, but uh, but let's uh, let let let's take a moment uh, uh, and 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 address what are your what are your current thoughts. Uh, regarding um, uh, how this president, who of course you have expressed concern about, what are your thoughts in regards to uh, how he is leading the nation um, in, 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 in regards to this racial, seemingly racial crisis? What, what are your thoughts on that regard, Dr. Lee? Well, uh, um, I took time out from my routine work, uh, not so much because I was doing something different. I was, my career has been dedicated to preventing violence in society. And that was exactly what I was called to do when I was inundated with phone calls and emails and other messages the day after uh, the election of this president. Uh -huh. So my concerns have not changed. Uh, in fact, many describe the current crisis of uh, COVID-19 and now newly the racial yeah. um, uh, uh, protests uh, as, as being new. But um, in my view, all along, he has been worsening crises around the world mm -hmm. and, uh, and generating new crises. And that is the reason why we felt it was such an emergency from the moment of his uh, inauguration and uh, even before that, but but I personally was called to uh, step up the day after his election, and my colleagues started by writing letters to President Barack Obama at the time about the president-elect, and I held the conference, as you know, um, three years ago, uh, which led to the book, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, which was an instant bestseller. And uh, the public has been in great demand of our uh, viewpoint as mental health experts. Um, unfortunately, the, the psychiatric establishment silenced us in the meantime and uh, possibly by um, pressures from the White House. And uh, and we are in a situation where we are because we did not address these problems before all the crises broke out. Um, right. Yep, and so how is it handling? It's exactly as we predicted it, it would be, uh, as dangerous as we said it would be. And um, and it's unfolding before us as if as if following our exact time timetable. 
Does uh, I want to go back to uh, some of these uh, media outlets that you had addressed in regards to um, having a lineup of uh, appearances to be making, and then and then those were canceled, and, and that was something you had brought up the last time you had joined the program. But mm-hmm. getting into, and I want to go to that in a second, but getting into uh, the, uh, the 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 conduct of this man. Um, in your view, and of course, your your expertise is to try to squelch and uh, to, to 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 form peace and promote peace and, and not violence. And I think that's I, I would hope most of us certainly listening and, and it, it, most of us want want peace. I can't imagine otherwise. But is this is this individual in his mindset uh, from 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 your analysis? Is he stoking the fire? Does he does he want does he want violence? Yes, he does. Uh, in fact, that is that is what I have been warning primarily uh, against, uh, that he was attracted to violence, that he um, not only was verbally abusive and boasted about uh, sexual assaults, he incited violence at his rallies, he uh, expressed attraction to violence and powerful weapons. He has taunted uh, allied and um, enemy nations alike, uh, including nuclear powers, and he has stoked violence all the way. Now, in my uh, violence studies, um, in my own academic work, I have emphasized how the spread of social, social and cultural norms of violence can spread violence at much uh, greater rates than committing direct violence. And we have exactly that in the presidency. Uh, he has been using his uh, pulpit, if you will, uh, to spread acceptance of and uh, glorification of violence in ways that are now manifesting in many different ways. We have a great deal of empirical evidence now of how he has um, uh, encouraged and instigated individual cases of assault and assault, battery, and murder. Uh, He has uh, uh, the counties that have held his rallies have shown up with greater than 200% increases in violence rates soon after. Self-directed violence, suicide rates have escalated under his presidency. Uh, White supremacist terrorist groups have multiplied and multiplied their killings over the course of his presidency. And um, now we are seeing how he increases racial violence, uh, police brutality, uh, attacks on the press, uh, and, and just general violence, uh, unnecessary violence on the part of the government itself against the citizens. And uh, so we can see all of this as being a product of and an extension of his psychological dangerousness. Yeah, whether it's uh, CNN reporter Omar Jimenez being uh, being arrested or even uh, this Australian Amelia Brace, uh, Christopher Matthias, there's, there's been various cases uh, of reporters being, uh, being attacked uh, by, uh, by these police departments and National Guard members. Um, where does Donald Trump come from from a, from a mental standpoint? Is, is, this, is, is, is he a... Is he a racist in your view? Where does he come? Uh, what's the What's the mindset that you see? <laughs> Go ahead. Yes, um, uh, the the fact that we're even questioning whether or not he's a racist is uh, shows the the degree of severity of his racism that it's to a level of uh, pathological degree that we cannot even. Um, that a large portion of the population cannot even call him racist when he is, he's actually been perhaps the greatest uh, enabler and facilitator of white supremacist terrorism, but because it goes beyond ordinary racism. In fact, I often say that uh, 
sometimes racists can be pro-white, but in his case and in, in the case of those he uh, supports, the white supremacist terrorists, uh, they are more anti-life than pro-white. And I say that because um, the, the kind of destructiveness that is uh, destructive against others, but also against the self, ultimately, because it's really um, uh, severe levels of self-hatred that are directed outward, uh, that it, it, it actually goes uh, against life itself. And that's, that's what we see in mental pathology. Uh, so it goes beyond what is rational and what is reasonable within what is considered to be normalcy. And it goes into the realm of pathology, which uh, by definition uh, promotes damage and destruction and, and death. And, and so this is actually the population that I've treated most of my career because I have uh, specialized in treating violent offenders, um, white supremacists, neo-Nazis, and, and uh, multiple murderers are, have often been uh, in, my patient, um, in my patient group. And so uh, the, the mentality goes beyond simple racism. Is it a sense of entitlement? Does he feel that... Uh, racially, well, of course he does. He feels that he's superior. Um, does does do those comments there agree with your perception of this person? Uh, yes, but uh, again, I said uh, my reason for saying that uh, the mentality that he exhibits and that of many extreme white supremacists is that they are more anti-life than being pro-white uh, or, or even pro uh, themselves. In other words, um, they are more drawn to destruction and they, they derive pleasure from others' suffering and, uh, and even death of others than they do from supporting themselves. And so it's actually a disorder. It's a disorder mm -hmm. that juxtaposes uh, a criminal mindset, and so uh, often uh, the general public thinks that those things are mutually exclusive, uh, that is criminality and uh, mental pathology, but in fact, they more often combine. And so when someone has criminal intent at the same time as mental pathology, they can become more dangerous, more destructive, and uh, and I believe that's what we're seeing. So we've got someone with narcissistic characteristics easily. Uh, a malignant narcissist, I think, is a term that, that definitely applies to this person. You're, you're inserting anti-life. That's L-I-F-E. Is this a person that wants to literally kill uh, people based on... I, I, based on the fact that they that he feels that they shouldn't be living is that too extreme uh no no i mean the the result will be exactly as if he were intending perhaps even more efficient than if he were intending um mass killings and we see from the way that he has handled the pandemic um if we put aside his words and his stated intentions um you, you probably couldn't find a psychology more eager to facilitate the pandemic um, and its deadly course than, than the president himself, because uh, we know that how we know how he has uh, ignored and denied and has done everything to dismantle uh, pandemic preparedness, knowing how. Uh, being told how deadly right. the course could be, but it simply does not register to him. Uh, but rather, his um, uh, his inclination to deny what is happening, to invent another reality where um, uh, where it's it's not true, and and so to support that false belief, he has. Uh, uh, 
resisted testing. He has uh, stopped life protective equipment from getting to uh, places where it's needed. And he is pushing for reopening the economy. Uh, We can think in terms of what he is pushing it for. In other words, uh, opening the economy. But uh, if he were truly invested in helping the economy, he would not uh, he would not drive such a destructive course. And so um, so what is important to recognize is that the mind is mind uh, exists in many layers. And the part that is conscious is only a tiny fraction. Neuroscientists say mm-hmm. it's as little as 2%. So 98% of the mind is unconscious. And the unconscious part is driving toward uh, death. That, that's, that's what... That's what we observe, and that's what we see. That uh, that he is very attracted to death, and um, and is uh, acts as if he wishes to promote it to the maximum level possible. If we as a country misstep here, Doctor Lee, are we possibly facing the product of a tyrannic? regime in in this person? Oh, yes. I mean, uh, the whole reason why I felt that mental health experts needed to give their input was because they deal with would-be tyrant personalities all the time. Uh, It's what is not unusual is the personality type in Donald Trump. I myself have treated perhaps close to a thousand uh, similar individuals and and a large proportion of uh, people mental health professionals encounter are of this type. What is unusual is that this type is occurring in the political realm in such a high office. And so um, political people will not be used to dealing with this profile. But uh, psychological people are are very used to it. And so to try to point this out and to alert uh, the the public to what we're dealing with depended on mental health professionals. And that's why I thought it was so important to speak up early on. And um, uh, but just like the pandemic, if we if we ignore the experts or muzzle the experts, as the American Psychiatric right. Association has done, then we end up with calamity. Now, I, I, I believe the Goldwater rule, uh, that stems from uh, former Arizona Senator uh, Barry Goldwater. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But talk a little bit about that for listeners so they, they understand the background and, and the fine line that yeah. you're treading as a professional. Well, I wouldn't say it's a fine line. It's quite definite what we needed to do. The Goldwater Rule was actually a guild guideline. It only it was only a guideline for one mental health association, no others. It was a rule that is not admissible to any state licensing board because it conflicts with the First Amendment. But it was reasonable the way it was conceived. You know, you'd be cautious when speaking about public figures. Uh, So what the the original Goldwater rule said is that when we're asked about a public figure, educate the public in general terms about the public figure, Uh, but just don't diagnose without uh, uh, an examination and without authorization. That's really, a diagnosis is irrelevant. We're not talking about a patient here. We're not treating the president. There's plenty we can talk about. Dangerousness is not a diagnosis. Mental capacity, fitness, these are not diagnoses. But with the Trump administration, the American Psychiatric Association decided to pull up this very obscure rule um, that not many psychiatrists even knew about because it was considered uh, pretty much outdated and irrelevant at this point. But they pulled up this rule and turned it into a gag order. Uh, How did they do this? They expanded what they meant by diagnosis. Um, Now, for the public, mental health professionals seem to diagnose all the time. Uh, They they may be seen to diagnose mental illness all the time, but that's only a fraction of what we do. Uh, In fact, I only diagnose maybe 1% of the time of the patients I see. 
But 100% of the time, we assess dangerousness. Every single time we encounter a patient or a non-patient, we assess dangerousness. And so dangerousness is far more important in what we do than diagnosis. Uh, they essentially eliminated that that responsibility and and elevated uh, the, the etiquette toward a public figure who's really not our responsibility uh, above our societal responsibility. We are responsible for public health and safety or uh, for society almost in equal terms to our responsibility to patients. That's you know that's talked about in the first line of our uh, ethical code, but they chose to eliminate societal responsibility to protect a public figure who is not our responsibility. So that's how they distorted ethics and went on a public campaign to uh, create misconceptions that anyone who would speak about the president was being unethical, and this is how they silenced all mental health professionals even those who are not members, and even those who are not psychiatrists. Um, uh, and it is now thought that they did this under either under pressure from the White House yeah. or uh, on their own uh, to, to side with power, essentially, to side with the president. And they've been handsomely rewarded financially for it. Uh, the, the CEO of the American Psychiatric Association admitted that uh, they changed the Goldwater Rule in order to uh, protect their federal funding, and uh, the results show that this is an administration that has reduced funding to education and research, scientific research in all manner, uh, so much so that the, the world-renowned CDC, the Centers for Disease sure. Control and Prevention, was uh, totally depleted to be able to fu even function uh, under this pandemic. And so, uh, but the APA had an increase in funding. So that tells you, uh, under an administration that censors science through its uh, through the federal purse, uh, through um, direct. Um, uh, retaliation for stating things it does not like, uh, that it, it is highly likely that it had a direct role in the APA's misinformation campaign. Uh, the APA, by the way, I thought was an independent organization. I learned through this experience that it is directly federally funded, um, confirmed by one of the officers of the APA who uh, checked the records. So I, I think the public should know that the American Psychiatric Association acted as an arm, as a psychiatric arm of the government, mm -hmm. um, very much like the Justice Department, which is supposed to be independent, is acting like the president's personal legal firm. And uh, that should that should cause alarms. And, and this was done very early in the presidency, which to me points to the importance of the voice of mental health experts. It was of such great importance that they needed to act right away. And we were the first, we were among the first to be silenced. Um, and when, uh, whenever there's silencing of experts, of right. professionals and the press, uh, right. that to me is, is an alarm signal of, a, 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 of an oncoming dictatorship. And, um, and that's what we're seeing unfold. So it just so happens that uh, following uh, following our uh, discussion here together, we'll be hosting the program. We'll be hosting Gerald Posner, who's a former Wall Street attorney, has written three New York Times bestsellers, and his current book is actually Pharma: Greed, Lies, and the Poisoning of America. Uh, he dissects the corruption yes. in the pharmaceutical industry. You're familiar with that work? Uh, I I wasn't um, uh, familiar with this book, but but I'm very glad he's doing this. Because, uh, well, I resigned from the American Psychiatric Association uh, 13 years ago because when I found out it was getting a third of its funding from the pharmaceutical industry. And its allegiance seemed to shift, according to that 
according to its funding source, because it used to advocate for patient rights and for um, for access to treatment, and it suddenly shifted more and more toward uh, advocating pharmaceutical treatments uh, against patient interest, and that reflected its funding source. Currently, it's acting against uh, public health and safety in favor of uh, a political figure uh, such as the president. And it turns out it's getting its funding from directly from the federal government. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, Bandy, let's address for a moment uh, what you saw in regards to media. Uh, you were... Uh, you were being asked to uh, to join. You were invited. You had scheduled uh, some fairly high-profile programs. And then at one point, everything came to a halt. Um, talk about that a little bit for listeners. Yes. So uh, so we started um, – well, I started uh, speaking publicly through the conference that I held at Yale in April 2017 because I felt that – a lot of mental health professionals, various mental health professionals were already speaking up, but uh, there was no um, representation of the consensus we had. There was a consensus already forming of the president's psychological dangerousness. Everyone I spoke with in private agreed, but they were afraid to speak up, partly because they were afraid of lawsuits from the president, and they were also afraid of safety, uh, physical safety from his followers. And um, so I felt that if we spoke up in unison, then we would feel more protected. So that's how I started with the conference. And indeed, hundreds and later thousands of mental health professionals got in touch with me and formed the World Mental Health Coalition, uh, all looking for a chance to speak up. And uh, so we were gradually gaining ground over the course of almost a year, uh, nine, ten months. In January of 2018, uh, right after the, uh, shortly after the book was out, we were the number one topic of national conversation. Um, in other words, the, the president's mental health and, and all the uh, major cable and network uh, news uh programs were inviting us, and there is no major program that did not invite us. But in the beginning, I was a little cautious about sensationalizing the issue, so I I declined the major ones and and stayed stayed with programs that would have us for more than just 10, 15 minutes. And uh, so I was interviewing 15 hours a day, every single day. Uh, And that was when the New York Times, that was when the American Psychiatric Association stepped in. Uh, It was when I revealed that I spoke with Congress members Mm -hmm. that uh, the news really became explosive. And within days, the American Psychiatric Association came out uh, very aggressively. I've, I've never even imagined that a professional association would call this out as armchair psychiatry, call me self-aggrandizing, you Bandy, are you there? Okay, may have lost connection with Dr. Lee here. Uh, okay, we've got a connection disturbance with Dr. Lee, I'm going to give it a few moments here to see if it reconnects. Not sure if it's my end or her end. I will be recontacting uh, Dr. Lee. Let's see if we can bring Dr. Lee back on to the program. Reconnecting with Dr. Lee. Dr. Lee back on the program here. Somehow I've lost connection with Dr. Lee. Hello? Bandy, we lost you somehow. 
Can you hear, Dr. Lee, can you hear me? Okay, we've got. Hello? Uh, yes, Bandy, we've got a poor connection here for some reason. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. Okay, great, thank you. Uh, please continue with, with what you were saying. Um, so I don't know where we left off, but by January of 2018, we were the number one topic of national conversation. And we received invitations from all the major network and cable programs to appear. We were trying to gradually build up the discussion and keep it nuanced, which is why we didn't appear on five, 10 minute segments that I thought would right. uh, sensationalize the issue. But uh, then the American Psychiatric Association stepped in in ways that I never imagined a professional association would. Uh, they called this armchair psychiatry. They said I was self-aggrandizing and using psychiatry as a political tool, which uh, right. by which they were breaking their own Goldwater rule, the new version that did not allow not only diagnosis, but any comment, unless you've done a personal examination and gotten authorization. Well, they never personally examined me, and yet they claimed to know my innermost uh, intentions. So, so this was the campaign that they started, which I, uh, which was so misleading and um, so misrepresentative. I, I, um, I had difficulty believing that it was happening, but it was effective. Within two or three weeks, all the inquiries dried up. Uh, uh, well, the inquiries actually continued, but uh, uh, while reporters would continue to interview us. And I continued to be invited by producers of these shows. Um, I would never get aired. In other words, uh, all my uh, quotes would be deleted by the time the reporter's um, articles would be out. So it would be editors who would be deleting my quotes or killing interviews, full-scale interviews that reporters uh, expended a lot with including um, professional photographers and all of that to try to get interviews and they would not be published. Um, and, uh, and we ourselves uh, submitted more than 100 op-eds together to the New York Times, Washington Post, other major outlets, and none of them would get printed. The only op-eds that would get printed by psychiatrists were uh, one that the public always complains about, the one where um, a past APA president says the president is just a jerk and so nothing to worry about, um, or uh, psychiatrists saying that psychiatrists have nothing to offer the public and so they shouldn't be speaking up anyway. Um, whereas internally, that's that opinion is so unusual that um, we can't find anyone else with that opinion uh, among, uh, among psychiatrists. Uh, so as far as we're concerned, we have a consensus about the president's dangerousness, but the consensus is never getting printed. And uh, the public is constantly writing to us, where are the psychiatrists, where are the psychologists? Um, we are chomping at the bit to speak but the media simply would not have us. No matter how much they print and um, air people who talk about the president's mental health, you will not see one, um, one major outlet uh, having a mental health expert on. And um, I, I think that is quite deliberate because as long as you have non-experts speaking on this issue, right. Uh, alone, um, it will just be dismissed as an insult, as another opinion, uh, as half the population being against the president, but not the consensus you find in among actual psychological experts. So we're looking at uh, the uh, American Psychiatric Association being funded directly by a federal federal agency, um, so we can then, of course, understand why the presumption might be that perhaps this came down from the White House. Uh, it's 
seems to be uh, difficult to 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 identify the source for this, but you were, as you say, uh, you 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 were gagged, uh, you were silenced, and um, doing so, of course, is completely jeopardizing um, uh, uh, the uh, unification of understanding behind the mental capacity of uh, of this individual. Uh, there's various ways we can we can we we can take this, but uh, let's, for instance. I'd like to ask you, uh, your personal feeling, uh, Dr. Lee, uh, was this individual legitimately elected in your view? Um, I mean, that's a difficult uh, question it, because it, we've got I, I mean, that's, the that's Mueller report. That's a more yep. difficult question, I think, that, uh, that's beyond my purview. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of psychologically, was the population well informed. Right, uh, right. I don't believe it was because uh, there is legitimate support of a candidate and there is psychologically manipulated support. And the psychological manipulation part is, is significant because unlike what the general population would tend to believe that uh, that someone with someone who is popular and a great strategist would be would have uh, more votes. That's not necessarily true. In fact, a characteristic of mental pathology is that it it spreads relentlessly and uh, is far more efficient at um, at uh, uh, stoking up um, fervent, irrational support, uh, regardless of the facts and regardless of reality. And that's a characteristic of mental disorder. So if you were to pit mental pathology against mental health uh, and rational strategy, there's no way rationality could, could win because of the power of mental pathology. And so it, I believe it's incumbent on, on specialists who are used to seeing this because mental pathology has a, a, a repetitive pattern. It has a very distinct, recognizable, stereotypical pattern that most people will not recognize because most people are de used to dealing with normalcy and, and the wide range of human variation that is possible in normalcy. And so it's very easy to be mistaken for just another variation, but it's not. It has a distinct pattern. And the reason for distinguishing disease is because it will inevitably be destructive and damaging and cause widespread deaths, as we predicted and, and now it has. Dr. Lee, uh, as we as we wind down here in the last few moments, I'd like to get your uh, your thoughts on. Uh, of course, you've you've given plenty, uh, but the best foot forward for American uh, Americans to correct this. Of course, there was an impeachment process uh, that that went against uh, this current commander in chief, and that was unsuccessful. He remains in office. Uh, before you provide listeners with with some closing thoughts on 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 uh, apart from going out and getting your book, but uh, but understanding what they can do, uh, what is your biggest fear uh, uh, with this person? We've got, uh, of course, elections coming up here in a few months. Um, we there's a number of scenarios uh, that this could go towards. Um, what we know is. Um, there is more than one crisis facing this nation, not only the health crisis, but as of the past, as I opened up the show, as of the past eight days, we've now got a racial crisis and those flames, uh, as, as we've both mentioned before, seemingly stoked by, uh, by this person, um, he holds up a Bible in front of a church. Not sure what that was about, uh, but um, what is your what is your biggest fear? Uh, what should Americans really be concerned about most uh, with this individual? Well, it's never too late to prevent further crises and, and further calamities. And so, uh, how do we do that? We know to prevent in advance by by recognizing the patterns and knowing what we are dealing with. So it's never too late to, 
to try to understand what we are dealing with. And um, the book tries to go into that, to try to educate the public on, on the dangers that we see. But uh, we've also seen how he may not start culture wars or even pandemics, but his psychological structure occupies them and turns them deadly. And so we cannot underestimate the dangers that are ahead of us. Uh, it's, it's easy for the public to see what has already happened and believe that this is all there is because it's hard to imagine the future. Yeah. But we can be sure that um, because of the extreme dangers he brings and because he will be facing increasing pressures as the uh, the elections come up um, that that there there is a tremendous amount that we need to be concerned about and could prevent. Uh, so that is why we issued. It's now already um, two months ago that we issued it, but it's still relevant. The, our prescription for survival. If people go to prescriptionforsurvival.org, they will see all the different means that we propose for removing the dangers. We don't care how it is done, but we are concerned that uh, that it is done as health professionals. So you mentioned impeachment. There's no reason why we cannot repeat it and do it right this time, especially with how he mishandled the, the pandemic. Uh, we uh, the, the 25th Amendment is also still a possibility um, in our view, uh, there are, people have a concept that the vice president drives it and the cabinet drives it. There are other options that um, authors in our the second edition of our book uh, outline, um, legal scholars do, and uh, but also encouraging resignation. There are multiple avenues. For us, what is urgent is removal of the dangers. And we even propose, if he's not removed from office, what could be done, removing him from decision-making. So, um, so removal of dangers is our, uh, our urgent priority at the moment. And um, the real dangers are coming up in the months ahead. So uh, it's never too late. We don't keep an employee on when they are dangerous and deadly every single day uh, when they are unfit. There's no reason to keep on someone uh, and simply wait the months that are remaining for him to end his term when he holds the greatest power and the greatest potential to do damage um, on Earth, in fact. Right, and access to very destructive weapons. Ladies and gentlemen, the Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, Dr. Bandy Lee of Yale. Thank you very much, Bandy, for joining the program, rejoining the program. We look forward to keeping in contact with you. Thank you again for having me. Uh, if you're not familiar with her work, uh, please do look into it. Uh, she is the president of the World Mental Health Coalition, um, and, you know, just a little more background on, 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 on Dr. Lee. As I mentioned, she uh, graciously rejoined us today. She's been on the program before. She's a native of Bronx, New York. She earned her MD from Yale in medicine, was chief resident at Mass General. She's the former director of research for the study of violence, Harvard, at Penn, NYU, and at Yale and co-founded the Violence and Study Group at Yale University, the Macmillan Center for International Studies. She earned her MDiv, Divinity, from Yale Divinity School in 1995. Bandy's been a consultant for violence prevention. That's violence prevention in prisons and community with governments of Ireland, France, Alabama, California, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and New York. Notable publications, of course, Violence, Health, and the 2030 Agenda, Merging Evidence and Implementation, and Transforming Our World, Implementing the 2030 Agenda Through Sustainable Development Goal Indicators, and of course, the New York Times bestseller, The Dangerous Case 
of Donald Trump, where 37 psychiatrists, including her, and mental health experts assessed President Donald Trump. Folks, uh, America is in crisis. And like Dr. Lee just said, um, there is no reason why this country cannot unite and prevent further uh, crises. I'll say this much. Violence, as she dedicates her career towards uh, omitting it, really, and preventing it, um, the, the violence in these protests is frankly disgusting. And whether it's police-induced, whether it's protest, angry protester-induced, whether it's uh, groups forming like Antifa, uh, stoking it, um, the fact of the matter is that it's happening. And innocent jobs, innocent families, innocent shops. Um, I was reading one publication out of California where an innocent a man, likely of Hispanic origin, the last name, last name uh, suggested such, he owned a car dealership. And the car dealership was broken into, cars stolen, something like $15 million worth of damage in lost cars, lost parts, damage to the business. This is, there's, there's no, there's absolutely, there should be zero tolerance for that and there's no reason for that to have happened. So, um, violence as a result of Someone else's violence uh, is, is 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 not not a good avenue to be taking. Uh, but uh, but anyway, like Dr. Lee has said, there is no reason why we cannot prevent further crises. This has been another discussion of truth uh, with Dr. Bandy Lee. I am host Ian Hamilton Trache. Thank you for listening, and please do contribute. Uh, IanTrache.com. I n t r o t t i r dot com. Uh, follow me on Twitter and follow me on Instagram. And I'll be right back here in a few moments with Gerald Posner. Folks, as always, be awesome.